everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the equalizer podcast i am your host claire watkins and i am so excited to say that we have Lori Lindsay on the pod this week how's it going Lori? yeah great always uh, a pleasure to talk with you claire thanks for having me amazing um so pretty obvious what we're going to start with today it was a big big weekend first regular season weekend <laughs> for nwsl um but I have to start start beginning middle end angel city right the big party in LA on Friday night, you were there, you got to soak it all in, set the scene for me. What was it like? What are like initial maybe feelings is the way to start? Yeah. Well, I think the initial feelings were uh, gratitude, right? I mean, for someone um, who's played in all three of these leagues, like um, spanning a couple decades to see um, the atmosphere, to be able to be, be a part of it. I think I was just like, so grateful to be there live to witness Mm -hmm. that. Um, and then, uh, you know, outside of that, like, it was just like, hell yeah, this is awesome. Right. It was just like everything that you can imagine. And I think that it came through television wise. Um, but it was just like, you know, for, for me personally, seeing a ton of um, former uh, teammates and friends that I'm so close with to be able to um, say hi to them, hang with them for a while, and then just like um, see how well done Angel City has done, um, you know, obviously getting the win, but off the field, what they have done to like really kind of like rally LA around this team, I think was exceptional and, and just um, awesome to be a part of. Yeah, it seems like obviously the NWSL has had big games before. I remember um, it seems like the last really like major, major moment when we're talking maybe like 2018 championship in Portland. That was a huge game. We've had big openings in in Utah. We've seen teams do well um, with their first match. But what felt different about this? Because it did. It felt like distinctly very 2022, very looking towards the future did this feel like maybe a new like stamping, like a new era a little bit in this year 10? Yeah, it certainly did. I think that's a great point. And, you know, just back up for a second. Yeah. I think it's easy sometimes to forget that we've had these big games as mm-hmm. well, because I can't remember who put it on Twitter. I'll have to go back and look because I think I had liked it. But there's like five or six other games that have yeah. more attendance than this one in LA. So, and I was like, you know, noticing that I was like, Oh yeah, it's easy to kind of get caught up and say like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, but we've seen, and I think five of them or at least four of them are from Portland, right? right. Which you, like, they have a long history of like people rallying around that team. Um, but yes, I do feel like there was something different about this. I think just in general, the buildup over the last two years in the making of this team, the investors, um, a majority of them, um, women, mm-hmm. former um, women, ath- female athletes, right? And then a lot of um, celebrities um, that were also in attendance as well that have some sort of stake or um, investment in the team. So just that alone, I think the excitement of that and what they're building, I think is just is different than maybe just having a lot of numbers at a game, right? right. Because the, the atmosphere of it, what it means, what it, what it, has meant um, in these um, last two years. And there's been a lot of excitement. So I think there's, there was also a lot of like eyes on it to see, okay, is this just hype or is this here to stay? And you really got the sense. I mean, we were at the, 
at the stadium the night before doing checking audio and our production meetings and stuff. And um, just the amount of like specifics going into this game and the people behind the scenes of Angel City and the work that they put in and, and not just for this game, but you, you really get a sense for like, the long haul. Right. And um, so I think that's what felt different. It wasn't like, okay, there's just like a lot of numbers that came out for this game. People were in jerseys, right. They are, are for the first game, people are like, hell right. yeah, already bought in. This isn't yeah. like, let's go check this out. This is like, <laughs> we're here. Right. So, well, well, right. The thing that struck me about that too. And I think this is another thing about NWSL that you don't want to say it too many times because then it gets boring, but it's true, which is that obviously over the last two weeks, we've seen some exceptional, exceptional numbers like worldwide, right? Yeah. Um, yep. Barcelona at, in uh, Wolfsburg, in Paris, um, Newcastle United had like 20 yeah. grand plus people <laughs> see them this Maybe. weekend. Um, but the thing that I was really impressed with with Angel City is they're brand new. You know, mm-hmm. it's, this is not a uh, jumping off of a men's team property. This is not a known thing. And maybe it doesn't feel as new because they've had the run up that they've had. And we're not used to that in NWSL, but it's a unique challenge, right. For an NWSL team to be like, okay, we are just a women's team. We are, there's no men's side here and we're going to build something brand new. And then to have that visual identity be so clear. And then I think I want you to speak to this too, because yes, we could tell on the stream, but how loud was it in there? when Angel City got those two goals. Oh yeah, it was unbelievable. And like, you know, in these um in that game, I was down on the sideline with an open mic, right? So, but it was so difficult. I had my mic turned all the way up for my earpiece. Everything was so difficult for me to hear Allie and Jen in the booth um for at least the first 25 minutes because yeah. it was just bonkers in there. So yeah, and if anybody has been in that stadium, you'll understand, but if you haven't, it's um you know, it seats like 22,000, obviously, because it's sell out, but um, it feels intimate. Mm-hmm. So it is just like, it just captures the noise. Um, yeah. And it was just remarkable. Um, also, one of the things, though, that just made me think about the numbers. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that's interesting, though, about Angel City as well is, you know, in the past, I would say even before LAFC, the MLS team came in, mm-hmm. there was a lot of talk like, ah, it's, the sports teams don't totally work, right? And like, or at least soccer, um, right. Galaxy's out in um, Carson. Right. Um, but the one thing that I really appreciate uh, Angel City has done is they've captured kind of like that entertainment side too. Yes, it's, it's about it's about soccer, football, right? But they also understand they're in the entertainment business yeah. and they're not afraid to go after that, right? And so uh, you're going to start to see I feel more and more people start to be like, oh, if they're not already in or buying season tickets, they're like, what's happening here, right? And so I think you're starting to, going to see a growth in um, new eyes on that team as well. Well, that's a good point too, because I think, you know, nationwide, whether you've been following the NWSL for a long time or not, you know, you definitely see Angel City sort of speaking the LA language, right? They're not only... <laughs> <laughs> they totally are. They, yep. they know what they're doing. Not only in entertainment, but they, you know, they treat it kind of like a tech startup is a little bit, you know, forward facing in that way. Um, all right. And that's, this is maybe a good pivot over to the game itself, which is, I know for me, I'm enjoying it from home. The kickoff show I thought was great. Um, they get all the owners out on the field. They get the fireworks going and I'm like, Oh man, if they lose, this is going to be kind of embarrassing. And then they pull it off. And so um, maybe again, talking about the atmosphere, it felt like watching that game 
Angel City did basically what they had to do, which was they carried that momentum for the first half hour, left NC just a little bit like, you know, wide eyed just in that atmosphere. And then they held on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about the noise in the first 20 minutes, but just how cool was it to see the players feed off of that and turn that into a performance that they could build off of to, to hold on for the whole game? Well, I don't think that you could have um, asked for a better start, right? Like, I mean, just in the game in general to get that win, but also the first like 13 minutes or whatever the exact time was for the first two goals. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, I think it actually started the week prior, right? Because there had been a lot of talk around Angel City. It was like, okay, all this stuff, this is exciting what they're doing off the field, but like, well, let's be honest. It wasn't the most. Um, it wasn't an amazing no, challenge. Coming yeah, out. it was the yeah. most enticing play, right? right? And I, they all knew that, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think the players are like you know they weren't pretending like this was amazing either. So, but then you know, getting the momentum against Portland the week before, I think right. that built into this game, so it gained a little bit of confidence. Um, they've had cons- consistent lineups, and you know, both coaches talked to us going into that game just about. Uh, managing the managing the first like 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Because there is going to be a lot of emotion and you're going to be depleted really after this first 25. We actually did see that. It's like having to kind of die out a little bit. Right. Um, but I think, you know, for the players and everything that was the support they have from the investors, from the front office and everybody behind the scenes, they feel that. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think we can forget that North Carolina, even though there's a real strong spine of their team remaining, there's quite a few new players. I did have and- that thought watching it. I was like, oh, there's a lot of people on this field who have not experienced quite this before. Yes, yeah, exactly. And we knew that coming in that that would be a bit of a you know, not an issue. I just think it depends on how you can manage that because this right. will be the biggest event some of these players or the biggest game some of these players have ever played in. Right. And um, so I just feel like with them getting off on such a, a, a strong footing off on the front foot, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. I don't think North Carolina could ever get themselves back in the game, right? We never saw like a free, right. I mean, they had a lot of the play, but it wasn't like, um, you know, full full on like North Carolina that we're typically going to see. So, I mean, listen, I, I, I don't think anybody expected what we saw. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knew that there's a good chance that there, that wasn't going to be a win for right. Angel City and you couldn't write it any better. And it was, um, it was going to be hard for North Carolina, I think, to come back in that, in that atmosphere. Yeah, I think we'll talk about this more throughout the week because I or throughout talking about the match weekend, because I think that this was a bit of a theme, but we're also seeing some of these sort of cross division matchups as well for the first time. And so those go a little bit weird after you have a full challenge cup group stage, because you're, there are teams who teams know really well. There are teams that teams have not played yet and then travel too. I mean, a cross country travel is, is no joke for a team doing that for the first time in their season. Um, and so we saw a number of teams, you know, Kansas city goes to Portland. They really struggle. We saw the rain, maybe not be quite on their game out in Washington. I do think that that was an element there as well. Um, to, but to maybe close up on, on the angel city moment, um, you know, we, again, there have been other big games, been other big games in the league. This felt like setting the tone for year 10 a little bit. And it felt like kind of a necessary refresher after a tough 2021 kind of throughout the league. Yeah. Um, how good is it, do you think, for that momentum going forward? Not only that it was a success, and that was also really impressive, too, because that was their first game at the bank. They didn't get a chance to really do a dress rehearsal. Right. Um, 
But how important was it even just that they got the win for what this just means for the team and the region going forward? I think it's huge, right? Because I think any time that you're putting this amount of effort into a, an organization, a new club completely, you you obviously want to see results, right? To kind of build that momentum. But I, um, I think you make a good point because this I was going to say this as well. Last year, obviously, there was like a ton of ups and downs, right? Um, that none of us care to like relive at all ever, ever again. Right. Um, and I think that is... That is why this also felt so spectacular as well. It's like, okay, it feels like a regrouping, right? Um, but yeah, for them to get the win, I think is just momentum building because ideally what we want is eyes consistently, mm-hmm. not sporadic, you know, games that have like quite a few numbers. You want these numbers consistently and you want them um, not only in Angel City, but in other markets as well. And the way you do that is you get results on the field and performances as well um, by making big splashes there as much as you would off the field. Right. So for them to get that win, I think just generates the momentum that we were talking about, not, not just for the first game, but going forward um, much like we've seen. And you mentioned across the, across the world as well. Right. Um, and then, yeah, just maybe to, I, I lied. I have one more question about Angel City. <laughs> I, I want to go back to what you said at the very beginning. And I know you, you put this on Twitter as well, which is, this is, you talk about going through 2021 and the NWSL finally getting this collective bargaining agreement done. And the PA has been really forward about like every step, every year, every league that didn't make it, every player that stepped out on the field, this is an accumulative process that gets us to where we are. And as someone who has played in all three leagues, who has seen the growth, well, not even growth is maybe the wrong word because the growth has not been consistent, right? It was like high highs, low lows get to this point, especially after the year that we all had last year as a former player, what does it mean to see like, Oh, something really dark actually happened, but we're like moving towards the light now. Yeah. Well, I think anytime players um, have a cumulative voice mm-hmm. is, is massive. Right. And also in conjunction with the league and the owners coming together, I think anytime that you can have that collaboration that benefits everybody um, full stop. Right. And so I think that's something that we haven't we haven't had. We got close in the WPS and then obviously that league folded. Um, and and then now all the work behind the scenes um, is just has, has been so important. So um, I think in, in a lot of ways that that's what the celebration was as well. Obviously, we saw the signing that um, kind of like was like. <laughs> in the live moment like let's sign the cba so everyone's like okay yeah that um, was a that was but, wild that i was not expecting that no I was like, well, we, oh. didn't either. <laughs> we weren't either we have a whole pregame yeah. show yeah. um <laughs> planned and wow well, that was yeah so um, i i do kind of love that though just like everybody being like okay what's the most dramatic thing we can do in this moment yes a yeah. symbolic signing of the cba let's do yeah. it yeah yeah, I, I, but to me, it just is like, you know, Yell, Yell, Averbush and I, um, you know, I was the obviously former player and for those listening, if you don't know, quite know, and then the general manager of Gotham, we were speaking about this after um, it all came out. Um, well, I don't know. I'm confused on time. So it would have been last fall, I guess. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and for along with her as well, who'd been through so many of the different leagues, it, mm-hmm. it's emotional, right? Because yes. this is what you want. You want the collaboration. You feel like... Um, you know, we're starting to weed out some of the stuff that like was just for lack of a better word, cancerous mm-hmm. um, to the sport and we're moving in the right direction. And this just felt like accumulation of all of that. And, and, and 
a celebration, right? Yeah. Um, to hopes of much, much better time and a kind of a rejuvenation of the, the league and where it's going. Yeah. Speaking of celebrations, I do want to touch on as well, the celebration that they had in DC yesterday. Um, because the thing that I really liked about that is, you know, Angel City is one very specific thing, one very specific, specific ownership group. They have very certain goals. They are doing their thing out in the West coast, Washington <laughs> spirit. Uh, <laughs> that's like my, Midwestern, that's my yeah, Midwestern coming out a little bit. Right. Um, yes. but, but yeah, Washington spirit's a little bit different, right? They are a historic club. They've been around for a very long time. They have a singular owner. They it's, it's a little bit of a different energy, but they got their little party too. Right. And they also won that game. And I think that that was a great day, not only for fans, but for the players, they got their championship ring. They got the championship banner. Um, how important is it to have, well, it's like twofold, right. To have every team kind of stepping up to celebrate their players in that way, but have it feel true to each club, right. Not every club is going to look exactly the same when they have that kind of a moment. Yeah. And I, um, I really appreciate that because we were actually speaking about that this weekend about not every club, um, is going to look like angel city, nor should they, right? right. Like it's not realistic. Um, however, you always want each club, depending on their abilities to be able to push the limits and then like make the environment, um, as best as possible for everyone involved. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Washington had their own, um, as we all know, mm-hmm. a lot of ups and downs last yeah, year from right. forfeits, right, to the ownership groups that are their owners and the combativeness there, and now Michelle taking over. Um, I think in many ways it's a celebration of all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Not only the I think that that ring for the spirit means a lot, right? Mm-hmm. They overcame a ton. Um, with um, Richie Burke getting fired, um, everything that kept coming out afterwards, um, the COVID uh, forfeits, then Michelle. So I think in a way, uh, very much a celebration in in different ways, right? And for all the stuff that they have overcome and and maybe the new path that they're on. Um, And then being at Audi Field, um, I think is is extremely important. And we're going to I see that game this Wednesday being at Audi Field again too. So I think you're just seeing... Um, everyone leveling up to the to the point where they can, right? And I think right. that's why it's so important. I mean, listen, there's a lot of clubs that came before Angel City, right. but I like the way that they are pushing the envelope. And yep. I think that's important for other clubs to see because, again, it won't be on that grand scale um, other other organizations, but they can push in other ways, right? And so, and by the way, I think Michelle could very much be an owner with her style. She would, she would, yeah, she would fit right in. I'm like, honestly, yeah, you're very cool. Let's hang. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. I, I think what I like about it is, is like you said, it's, it's twofold. One is, yeah, not every team is going to be LA and there are things to look at at Angel City. You know, I think constant, you know, spotlight on things, trying to make sure yeah. that they're living up to the standards that they're setting to for themselves. But, um, but the league needs them. They need people to come in from the outside and say, here's what isn't working. Here's what we can do better. And then that empowers the other teams to survive, to make it, to keep pushing. Um, Because this was a conversation that we had last year. It's not really an option for, you know, teams to, to disappear and be reborn or to only have outside people come in. It has to be a collaboration between everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, also helps that Washington got the win. Now that one's interesting to me. I do want to highlight this game briefly. Um, and, and we will talk about this a little bit more in the next segment as well. 
Do you think that either manager held back a little bit in prep for Wednesday with that Sunday game between the rain and Washington? They'd never admit it. They would never admit it, but yeah, you know, I, I was curious about that as well. Um, and in some ways, yes, but I also think no. I think it's just a nat- natural. Um, listen, I I very much think that there's a lot of times where the manager's like, okay, what's the game in front of us? Mm-hmm. But you also have to have one eye um, going forward, right? And like, there's potential for both of these two teams, Oil Rain and Washington, to play three games in seven days, right. which is which is absurd, <laughs> really, at this level, yes. right? It's that's right. wild, and, and not including uh, or including travel. Um, so yes, I think in some ways you have to, I think you have to, it's not necessarily holding back, but I think you have to really try to figure out how you're going to manage players rotation. And we did see a sonnet and, um, Feist and, um, who else came on? Can't think of it right now, but, um, coming on, right. Yeah. 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 Fairly early too, to, um, to make, to, to rotate those players, right. quite frankly. Yeah. So um, I think that's what's m- more so than maybe holding back. It's just like, how do you manage players? There's just so it- much the players can physically do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very good. So yeah, it was an exciting weekend. Um, we are going to take a quick break for an ad and we will be right back and we're going to preview the Challenge Cup semifinals. All right. Welcome back to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast here with Lori Lindsay. Real quick, I'm going to do the thing I do at the top of part two every single time. Please rate and review this podcast. Give us five stars. Give us a nice rating. It helps people find us and helps us keep doing our good work over here at the Equalizer. So celebrations behind us. Big regular season weekend. Now we have Challenge Cup to attend to. So we're doing the overlap. We're doing one and then the other and then the other. I was at the Chicago game this Saturday and they were uh, promoting their next match against the Washington Spirit. And I went, maybe they will maybe play the Washington yeah, Spirit. Yeah, on exactly. It's possible. Um, <laughs> or so let's, not. Yeah, or not. We'll find out. Um, so let's start with the one, the one that you're going to be looking at closely because you're going to be on the call for this one. So Kansas City hosting North Carolina. This is interesting to me for a number of different reasons. One being, obviously, this is the first time these two teams are going to be playing each other. Um, they're both maybe, quote unquote, the surprise teams in the semifinal. They're giving new looks uh, and, and have had some early success. They're both coming off of losses, though. So what, what's your read on the energy of both teams? Do you just kind of put regular season behind you? You're like, OK, we're keeping this Challenge Cup momentum going. Is cup form a real thing? What What's your read on this? Yeah, I think that, I mean, it is difficult, right? Like if you're you're playing, um, if you, even specifically North, well, both of these teams actually, because um, Kansas City playing Portland in front of a good crowd, both of those teams traveling, and now they'll meet up in Kansas City. Um, you know, I think I think there is something to say about a Challenge Cup and these teams wanting to win, mm-hmm. right? No doubt, and that gives a different look than. Um, um, you know, a regular season game right now, this early in the first couple weeks. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think that, um, you know, being on North Carolina's game in angel city by any means, I mean, they were solely focused on that game and now they'll regroup and come to this one. Um, but yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think this is an interesting one, just in the fact that, um, historically North Carolina has a winning culture, Mm -hmm. right. Um, a lot of new pieces as we have, um, all witnessed. I mean, quite a few of the same players, but you know, some of the 
um, players that they're looking for production are new mm-hmm. um, in the attacking half. And then Kansas City, I think, yeah, like, you know, have rebuilt their roster, um, yeah. a ton of young players, um, getting a lot of minutes. So this one, I, I, I'm really curious about because I don't know if I've seen a real convincing performance from either side yet. Right. Right. And them not playing each other into what you spoke about early on in this podcast. It's like now when you start to have this crossover mm-hmm. after we haven't played the same divisions, I mean, I think we're seeing some interesting results that I don't know if anybody expected either. Um, but I definitely feel that this is going to have some, a different type of energy, regardless of both of these teams playing um, and having to travel um, this past weekend. I think it's going to have a different kind of energy because I do feel like both of these teams want to win this game. Yeah. Um, I think North Carolina for confidence and like under new head coach Sean Nehas. And then um, for Kansas city, for this iteration of Kansas city's organization, right. Under Kristen Alley long, yeah. this is the first time they've been in a playoff game. So yeah, this right. means a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's kind of the, I mean, I, you know, we've done, everybody has their, their issues with the, the scheduling of it. And like, what is the challenge cup for and all of that sort of thing. Like we, yeah. we know all of that stuff, but this, this kind of a game is a good example of what the challenge cup is for. Right. Because these two teams are young they have had to rotate through depth. We've seen North Carolina, like you said, try out quite a few people up at forward who have not played that position before or not professionally. And, um, and this is development. This is more opportunities for them to, to try that out and get that success in the challenge cup. And that is maybe slightly more interesting than having the Portland thorns in it. Cause we, we know the thorns, they're a little bit more established. Um, speaking of the thorns for Kansas city, We've definitely seen what I have perceived is a refreshed sort of attitude going into this season, kind of finally sort of shaking off that sort of whatever the haze of the Utah Royals was just really being like, okay, we're not, there's no like temporary branding or anything like that. We are a real, real soccer team. Um, But does losing three, nothing in your regular season opener shake that confidence at all? Um. You know, I was thinking about this, going back and watching the game in preparation for the semifinal. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure because I think what's interesting about this Kansas City team and, and why I said I haven't totally felt like um, there's been a convincing performance from them yet, even though they've had really good results mm-hmm. um, and, and better than I think a lot of people anticipated. Yep. Or, well, I should take us back without having like a Sam Mewis in a right. A lot of, right. I think a lot of people thought Kansas city was going to do well, but they were anticipating Sam Mewis and Lynn Williams being a big part. Exactly. Of yeah. And then for them to be able to continue on without those players. But I think the one interesting thing about Kansas city is that they've rotated a ton. And mm-hmm. to my point a little bit ago is that they have they're not, they're aggressive and playing young players. I mean, mm-hmm. at one point in time, they have two center back pairings, right? Um, we saw him, um, Matt Potter, um, it was almost like a Christmas tree, a four, three, two, one. And right. they started their, off their in, formation. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then switched into a three, six to match Portland, yeah. right. um, in the game. So they're aggressive in the way that they want to play. Yeah. I just think, um, it almost felt like they never really showed up for the game. I mean, I yeah. think some of those things are defensively can be cleaned up. So, and they rotated players. So to answer your question specifically, I, you know, I think it would be like a step back and be like, oh, we can't get away without competing every single game. It'll right. be eye-opening. Right. But I don't know if it's completely, you're completely rattled because I do think that they they made some adjustments um, and they're going to have to, again, it looks like Mallory Weber could potentially be out. I'm, 
and and whatever right like you have to you're going to have to move some players around um again so what does that look like but no I think that I think they seem like they have a a strong base and like a a good team um camaraderie that I think Mm -hmm. that they can that will push them forward What I like, I said this last week, but what I like about them too is, is to what you said, which is in losing some players, they've become kind of a system team, which is that they, it's a lot more about their shape and their pressing style. And when you emphasize those parts of, of the game, it maybe you get freaked out a little bit less if you don't see like a Sam Mewis or a Lynn Williams next to you. Cause you go, no, I trust the system that we're doing. Um, I know I wish they would push, I wish they would push the three back a little bit more, but I understand why they don't. They got the young players in the back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I agree with you about yeah. the um the press and you, you know, like like let's go to go quickly, right? Yeah, like right. it's entertaining. They're not like, like we're not gonna try to keep possession of this for like hours and hours. Right. Um, but I don't think we saw that against Portland. Right. I mean, Portland pinned them back, and so there wasn't a ton of options, but like they weren't on the ball that much. They created zero opportunities in the first half, right? So right. like I think it'll be more of like uh, we're going to need to regroup and like that can happen again more than yeah. like, let's be rattled. Let's just like, let's yeah. get rid of it. No, that right. It's, it's where you see the the benefits of the style and then also how it can go wrong. If the other team yeah, certainly. doesn't yeah. give you, it's yeah, there's like, there's, play. there's good off the ball for Like there's good off the ball and then there's bad off the ball. And for, for <laughs> Kansas City, it's bad off the ball this weekend. Exactly. Um, so North Carolina, a little bit closer, right? I'm sure they'll be disappointed in, in the loss against Angel City, but that was a competitive game and they grew into the game over time. There were definite positives for them to take away. Um, high, do you think it's going to be a high transition game? Do you think it's going to be end to end? It's, it's two teams that don't really like to just sit and possess. They like to move the ball quickly. Um, do you have like who you think is going to maybe be able to execute that a little bit better? What's, what's your take on, on what we're going to see? Yeah, I think that it could be a potential a pretty wide, it could get pretty wide open. Yeah. Um, I think the keys that I'm looking at, though, are more midfield. Obviously, we know with the um, box midfield, that's right. always a, ooh, a, a conversation, which it's is amazing. Less less, it's yeah. amazing, too, how it hasn't really changed. Like with massive roster turnover, new coach, you're like, oh, that still looks a little boxy, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and I'll, I'll speak to that really briefly, though. Yeah. Sean Danhouse was like, I didn't want to play that. Right. Yeah. Like I was like, I want to go a different way, maybe a four through three or a different look. And then he was like, listen, we have so many new players. This is what we know we yeah. need to do. Let's let, let's um, play something that's familiar. So then we can um, bring out individual players like identities within sure. that. And I'm like, that makes sense. Right. Right. Um, and we'll see if that evolves depending on the results um, early on in the actual regular season and, and maybe even come Wednesday night. Um, but I think um, the thing that's, I, I do think that it will, could potentially be wide open. I'm curious about the midfield, right? I think um, D Scott's going to need to have a big game for, um, for Kansas city. She's clearly a glue for that team, just being a better player and just her positioning in front Mm -hmm. of whoever they play in the center back positioning for um, Kansas city. And then I think Dabinia we've highlighted more Caroline Mm -hmm. recently. She's a newer player, but I think, Dabina is still the player that's going to make this team tick mm-hmm. and credit to angel city. I felt like on Friday, they denied her some real like clear opportunities on the ball mm-hmm. that allowed her to build in. And I think that was a big difference. Right. And then the rest of the team just got in such an expansive shape right. that they were, they're too spread out to be able to like kind of break down in angel city. So I think midfield wise positioning of those two players, Scott and Dabina will be key in this game of, um, 
on whether or not it really starts to get um, super transitional or not. Um, yeah, I think the only, the only, I think you're totally right. And I think the only other thing that I would add is I think when North Carolina is rolling on the wings, they do really well. And when they're able, when the wings are able to be contained, they struggle a little bit more. We saw how well Jasmine Spencer played on Friday. Yeah, she did an incredible job um, containing them. And then obviously they were without Carson Pickett. And I think that that hurt them as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think probably if, if they're going, if they actually start going toe to toe on the outside, I'm tipping towards North Carolina. I think if they can keep it more central, I think Kansas city's got a shot. Um, you have a winner. Who do you think is going to win? Ooh, that's a good one. They both traveled. So travels about the same. Yeah. Kansas city's at home. My concern is that um, I, I want to lean a little bit towards Kansas City because they're playing at home. Yeah. But my only concern there is that at the end of the day, um, North Carolina has players that understand these moments a bit more. Right. And I'm leaning towards North Carolina um, for that reason. Yeah. I think that they, this is, you know, they played Washington a couple of weeks ago, lost that lead. Or, you know, found themselves behind, came back, but like, right. you know what I mean? Um, and then that was at home, go away, lose to Angel City. I think they're going to be fired up. Yeah. And I think there's enough players there to say, hey, this is like, we have to get better in these areas. And the game against Angel City wasn't even that like a terrible performance. It's just not a, a performance that we're used to seeing. To your point, I think centrally with the Binia and she's a player that would get those wing backs or their outside right. backs um, involved in the game more. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week. I think North Carolina, when Dabinia feels like she has to do everything then the game's gotten out of their, out of their hands. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Switching over to number one seed versus number four seed, which is a little bit intriguing because Washington did just beat the rain. Um, so here's, I mean, we talked about this last week. The good update is that, uh, from last week to this week, that game did get moved to Audi field. As you said, um, it's going to be a little bit weird. The rain are quote unquote hosting at Audi field. They are the higher seed. Um, they at least got to stay in town. That's, you know, useful for them as well. Uh, so I, I know for me, we talked about the rotation. It's like, it's the two questions of, it's really hard to beat a team twice in a week, especially a team as good as the rain. (laughs) And Laura Harvey talked a little bit about reevaluating the way they wanted to play Washington after getting that game in Mm -hmm. whose tape do you think is more valuable? The rains or Washington's from this weekend? Whose tape you said? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say maybe a little rain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I, I 100% agree that it's hard to beat a team twice, right? But I'm pretty sure this is the four straight win, maybe fifth straight win for Washington Spirit. I needed to go back and look, um, obviously, because I don't know the exact, but they would have beat them in this last night, yep. semifinals. Yep. And then I think they beat them twice and tied them. Um, right. So yeah. um, I don't think they, under Laura Harvey in, versus Chris Ward, I don't think Laura Harvey has a win against this Washington spirit team yet. No. Well, no one does. Chris is still undefeated. Well, right. Well, no one <laughs> yeah, does. No, but yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It just, yes. Um, <laughs> I know. And he's definitely not going to be wanting to focus on that. Um, yeah, right. With every game that passes, I wonder if he's just like, stop talking about it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's like, let's do the ring ceremony more and more so that we don't talk about the right. uh, yeah, other ones. Exactly. Um, 
But I think, you know, I'm kind of curious. I think there's something here in mind games. Like, so like, I think that this could be somewhat of a bit of a rattle for, um, OL rain. I think they know this, whether they know the exact, um, stats, right. Of like, um, not being able to beat, um, the Washington spirit. But Mm -hmm. I do think there's something where they're like, we can, we're not beating them. Yeah. We just can't seem so, um, and I think that there's enough with both, it, but I think there's enough with both of these coaches that they'll make tiny little tweaks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think personally, Washington has the ability to make more um, movement mm-hmm. in their roster right. and little things that they play than OL rate. I think there's just the depth there um, that we they've had to utilize already so far this season that I think could benefit them for the second game. What do you yeah. got? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I guess we'll see how Andy Sullivan is feeling. I think that's going to be a a big part of it. But you're right that Washington, I think an understated thing for them is they are deeper this year than they actually were last year. They've gotten some players back who had some season ending injuries last year. Um, Yeah. And I think that that's an interesting point as well, because the semifinal at, at Cheney Field last year, Um, the rain statistically had the better run of play there. They had a number of really close calls. They just could not get it over the line. Um, and yeah, you wonder if you talk about like accumulative performances as if over time, Washington keeps finding ways to win and, and famously actually Washington thrives on adverse conditions. So it's like, if you go, if you go one goal up, that's dangerous. If you go a player up, that's dangerous. And like it flips the switch for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I feel like I need to see more, from OL rain against a more wide variety of teams to feel like I have a great handle on them yet. Um, because they have some players that we've seen flashes of brilliance from, but it's not quite consistent yet, which makes sense early part of the year. But yeah, that, that Laura Harvey element of does it start to mentally get to you if you struggle with one particular team over time. So I'm kind of tipping Washington, I think. Yeah. This one. yeah I, I mean, I am too. And it's interesting. I don't, I don't feel like Laura Harvey is a, um, a coach that makes these like wholesale changes, like whether not even just like personnel, but like, we'll like try to do pull something out. Right. Or overthink it. I don't, I haven't historically seen that from her. So I don't expect that either. Also, I just don't know if they have the depth to be able to do that right now, either. If you did want to make some major major changes like a couple changes that say so yeah I'm tipping towards even though it doesn't seem like it would make sense back-to-back wins I'm I'm going towards Washington being at home again and just how things have have gone um, and how they've been able to rotate players or needed to rotate players and have a bit more of that I mean I brought up the sonnet and the um, vice coming in because I mean look at those players right feist arguably at the end of 2020 was their best their best right. player yeah. before she, seizing her knee injury, um, making her way back. Sana, obviously a national team defender who's like, has was a big part of that championship run last year and mm-hmm. just in general. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I kind of feel the same way though about the Kansas city, North Carolina, right? Because now we're starting to see this overlap and we mm-hmm. haven't seen a variety enough of against variety of teams to your point that just is like a little bit like, who's going to show up. We right. know, it's not right. enough yet this season. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we're still in this, I think we're still in this stage where we, we've gotten to know some of these teams, at least how they play each other. Right. But, um, 
just even with, again, the tumultuous off season, all of these roster changes, coaching changes, you never, you don't know, you can't see it till you see it. Right. And especially you, the other thing you never know is what happens the moment you're now in a semifinal. If you do get kind of thrust into a quote, like a postseason situation, a playoff situation, Obviously, that's something that the spirit really thrived in last year. Um, OL Rain weirdly has not done super well in in knockout games in recent years. Yep. That's not really part of their club identity. They're more of a regular season team. So I'm interested to see if they can flip that switch. Um, obviously, North Carolina, they're they're known they're the killers, right? They come in playoff game, they're yep. ready to go. Kansas City, it's all brand new. So. Like I said, I, I think I'm probably tipping. I'm going to be very boring and just tip North Carolina and Washington. And then I, I struggle at this point to bet against the spirit to win the whole thing. Yeah. Um, that's probably where I'm at with it right now. What do you think, Lori? Who's your, who's your, because it's going to be next time equalizer podcast comes back. We're going to have a challenge cup winner. So yeah. who do you think uh, is going to win the challenge cup? Yeah. Well, listen, I, a couple of weeks ago, Ali and I, um, did our predictions for the entire year. And I have OL rain in Washington in the final with Washington okay. winning the whole thing, not just challenge cup, but the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm going with Washington. I agree right now. Um, I think just as a fan, they're exciting and they're fun to watch. Right. They're a bit unpredictable in some ways because they've yes. had some weird starts and then they've had like some good starts too. So you're a little bit like what's yeah. happening here. Right. But the one thing that, um, but they show up at some point in time in a game. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, if you just look at their front line and I mean, yeah, I think they're the deepest, I think they have um, the most tools right now mm-hmm. and fluidity to change um, some things in game or from game to game, um, yeah. whether it's personnel or some small tactical adjustments. Um, so I'm with you. I have Washington and North Carolina in the final okay. and then ultimately Washington winning it. Well, and that's also interesting too, right? Because if it is North Carolina and Washington in the final, that's one and two in the East. So these are two teams that have gotten to play each other a lot. Um, And that game would, oh God, don't even want to like go there, but that would theoretically be in North Carolina, I believe. (laughs) Like 6.30 in the morning. Right, never (laughs) never guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. Yeah, right, who knows? But that might be a good, you know, good case scenario too if it is that early kickoff time. So maybe not the end of the world there. Um, so yeah, so we got Washington winning the challenge cup. I like it. We'll see if we're, we'll see if we're a jinx. We'll see if we were right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, you heard it here first, everybody, if we are, so that's right. Exactly. If if they do it, we're brilliant. And if they didn't, it's not our fault. We can't predict it. Soccer is an unpredictable game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Amazing. Lori, thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. I want to shout out our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy, and our distributor, Blue Wire Podcast. I have been your host, Claire Watkins, and this has been this week's edition of the Equalizer Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.